God, our Father in heaven, Lord, we just thank you so much for another wonderful day, God. As we take this offering, Lord, as we take the Lord's Supper, and Lord, as we just listen to your words, Lord, I pray that we would just prepare ourselves and just to seek you and to give you everything this morning. Um, God, we thank you for being holy and worthy, and we thank you for loving us even when we don't deserve it. It's in your name I pray. Amen. Dear Heavenly Father, Father, I just want to say thank you for giving us this word that we can uh, take and look at and, and understand more of what you desire for us, Father. I pray today that as we get ready to preach this word, as we go out into our communities later today, Father, I pray that whatever I say, first of all, let it not be me, but let it be you. And let it touch our hearts today that we would understand what it is you desire us to know and that we would take it beyond these church building walls into our community, into our lives and use it all for your glory uh, forever until the day that we are called home to you, Father. Father, we thank you and we love you so very much for everything that you do. And it's in Christ's name I pray. Amen. So before we actually get started looking at the text, I wanted to uh, propose a question to y'all. Uh, and that question is, what is in a name? What is in our name? What is in, uh, in your name, my name, whoever's name? What is, what is it in a name? Uh, you know, many of us, this might be kind of an open-ended question where some people may say, well, I was named after a family member, so my name is very special to me. Or some people may say, well, uh, I really don't know why I have the name that I have. It really doesn't have much meaning to me. Or, uh, if you're like me, you kind of don't really think a whole lot about why I am named what I am. And I understand that uh, for many people, names can kind of be significant. I know that for some people, they take a lot of time to decide what they're going to name our, their child. For me and Brianna, we actually, whenever we found out we were pregnant, she began looking at names. I was helping her. We actually, before we found out that Finley Kate was going to be a girl, we had a perfect name for a girl, Finley Kate, and a name for a boy, picked out, ready to go. And I, I say all of this because we don't think about it very often, but our name actually has a lot of meaning in it. Even if we don't know the meaning of our actual name, our, our name has a meaning. It has a purpose behind it. And we were talking about this Wednesday that I'm one of these weird people that you probably meet like once in a lifetime that actually enjoys reading genealogies in the Bible. You know, the list of names. Uh, somebody had a child and they had a child. And these long list of names. And I know it's something that's kind of strange to enjoy reading. But I really do because what I see behind these names is not just a word on a page. 
but rather there is purpose and there is meaning behind these words that we see as we read the Bible. And even more than that is they are actually also a part of the redemptive history of Jesus Christ. So to me, they are significant and they do have purpose behind them. And I actually enjoyed reading and studying this passage because we have a lot of names, we have a lot of information about different, different people. There's not a lot of deep doctrinal issues, but there is meaning, and I believe that all Scripture has meaning. And we're going to look at this and pull out of this what God is trying to tell us today. So let's look, let's begin to look at verses 7, 8, and 9. So we're going to start out this morning. Tychius will tell you about all my activities. He is a beloved brother and faithful minister and fellow servant of the Lord. I've sent him to you for this very purpose, that you may know how we are and that he may encourage your hearts. And with him, Onesimus, our faithful and beloved brother, who is one of you, they will tell you of everything that has taken place here. So, what we see here is, is we get introduced to two people that are with Paul. One of his names is Tychius, the other one is Onesimus. And what we see is that uh, these people, even though we can kind of look and just skim over it and just move on, they actually have a larger uh, or a very important purpose in this book. What we see and what many, scholar, many biblical scholars agree to is that these men were actually the men that Paul would have given the letter to bring to the church at Colossae. And, uh, so, and we see that because in eight, verse 8, it says, I have sent him to you for this very purpose, talking about Tychius. And then later in verse 9, it says, uh, uh, and with him, Onesimus. And we see that these men bring this letter to the church of the Colossians. And why is that significant? Well, when I look at this, what I see is that these men uh, saw this purpose that they had. That In reality, they didn't know what they were going to do. They didn't understand that for them, it was just they were taking this letter to uh, the Colossians. They didn't think about anything past that. They were just doing what they felt like they should have done because Paul desired them to do this. But in reality, what they done was they brought this letter that we now use as Scripture and so that is a very important job. We, we, you know, many times in life we do these things that we don't see as very important, but they did not realize that what they were carrying at the moment would become the Word of God. And they lived out their purpose in order to bring this Word to the people and eventually to us. And so that, that in my opinion, is a very, very important thing that they have done that at the time did not look very important. It also says that in the text that they will also tell of everything that's taken place here, talking about the ministry of uh, Paul and the rest of uh, the guys that were with him. And that's also significant because uh, if you read in the text here, Onesimus, it says that he is one of them, one of you. He is, actually what it's saying here is that he is one of the Colossians who is with Paul and uh, he's coming back. And it would have been very, very, uh, it would have been very encouraging to hear from these people of what was going on in the ministry of Paul, to hear from somebody who was one of their own that what they were doing was important to the gospel of Jesus Christ. And I believe that we should see that as something very important when these guys live out 
their purpose. And then in verse 10 and 11, we see we meet three other guys. Aristarchus, my fellow prisoner, greets you. Mark, the cousin of Barnabas. And then Jesus, who is called Justice. And uh, these three men, we don't know a whole lot about them. Mark was actually, we know the most about because he was the one who wrote the uh, Gospel of Mark. And, but as far as uh, Aristarchus uh, and Jesus, who is called Justice, Jesus Justice, we don't know a whole lot about these guys. But what we do know is that they were, as it says right here in verse 11, these are the only men of the circumcision among my fellow workers for the kingdom of God. And they have been a comfort to me. What we see here is that these men are actually the fellow kinsmen of uh, Paul himself. They are from the Jewish lineage. They are Hebrew. And that is important because they would understand what Paul was going through. As someone who moved from Judaism into Christianity, uh, he w- they would have understand more than anybody else what he has to endure because of that. And it's important because these men were friends to Paul. They were friends to him. They uh, helped him. And we can imagine they encouraged him as he was going through many of the trials that we see. You know, many times we read through Scripture and we think that Paul is this great man of faith. And of course he was. But he's also, he, he was also a human who had the same struggles that we do, had the same pains that we, we suffer. And we can imagine that it was even more because he went through so much to bring this gospel to the people. So we can imagine having friends there that would help him through this would have been uh, a huge, have a huge impact on him. So even though we cannot fully understand the impact that these friends had on Paul and how that impacted him and his ministry, we know that it was significant and important. And then in verse 12 and 13, we see a man man named Epipharis. It says, Epipharis, who is one of you, a servant of Christ Jesus, greets you, always struggling on your behalf in his prayers, that you may stand mature and fully assured in all the will of God. For I bear him witness that he has worked hard for you and for those in Laodicea and in Hierapolis. We uh, meet this man named Epipharis, and Paul actually goes into a little bit of detail about who Epipharis is. Uh, Paul says in verse 12 that he is one of you, just like we heard about Onesimus, that he is one of the Colossians. And he also goes on to later say that he's struggling on their behalf, struggling on the behalf of the Colossians in prayer that they may stand mature and fully assured in all the will of God. We can imagine that this would have been wonderful to hear for the Colossians that this guy who is one of them, who is a Colossian himself, is uh, praying for them. And, and not just praying, but we go on and we see that he is also bearing witness, uh, Paul bears witness that he has worked hard for you and for those in Laodicea in Hierapolis. Not only was this guy uh, praying, he was like a prayer warrior for the people of Colossae, but he also was working hard indeed. He was doing the work, doing work for them. And not only them, but for the people in Laodicea and Hierapolis, which would have been probably about 15 or so miles. I think one was 10 and one was 13, so they're all within 15 miles of each other. Uh, and this big group of people, he's doing the work for all of these people. So to hear that their own brother is doing this would have been an amazing 
encouragement to the people of Colossae. And I just, that, that they were living out their purpose, which in this, in, or he was living out his purpose, which in this case would have been prayer, covering these people in prayer, covering them in hard work and good deeds and, and helping them through these times. And then we move on to verse 15. And it says, Give my greetings to the brothers at Laodicea and to Nympha and the church in her house. Well, we, we meet Nympha here, who is a lady that actually uh, has the gathering of believers in her own home. And that is pretty uh, significant because at this time, there would have been persecution for most people who were Christians. Uh, if it wasn't government persecutions, it was the Jewish people were persecuting them because they believed what they were preaching was heresy, so they believed they were deserving of death. But this lady, instead of saying that I'm going to take care of myself and watch over myself and not put myself in danger, has chosen instead to open up her house to the people so that they can gather there as a body of believers, just as we are doing today. And she put herself on the line, on the line to uh, glorify God even more. And we've got to imagine, though, we can't see here, we've got to imagine that there was a huge impact on the gospel of Jesus Christ because of this. We've got to imagine that many people came to know Christ in this church, and there was many great works that were done because of this church. And I believe that that is a wonderful thing that, that she chose once again, as I've been saying, to live out her purpose in this life. And finally, we'll, read, we'll finish this exposition up before we go on to the rest, is that in, in verse 18 we see Paul. Now, we, we know a lot about Paul. We, we've, he's written uh, mo a lot of the New Testament. We have a lot of information about him. But uh, what I really want to do is I want to bring our attention to what he says here. He says, Paul, I, Paul, write this greeting with my own hand. Remember my chains. Grace be with you. Now, the, the phrase that I want us to see here and to look at is he says, remember my chains. Remember my chains. Now that's important because Paul at this time would have been a prisoner as he was at many times throughout his, uh, his time sharing the gospel with these people. And that would have been important because he think it, thinks that it is worthy enough to put this into Scripture, put this into this letter which became Scripture that he was arrested and jailed for spreading the gospel. That's important because I'm sure many of us in here would think that if we were arrested for sharing our faith or for uh, just living out our faith, as many of these people would have been, uh, last thing we would think is that it was a blessing, that it was something that we should look to and see as God working in our life. But in fact, that is exactly what Paul is saying here. Remember what he is going through. Remember that he is... Uh, in chains for the gospel of Jesus Christ. And I just find that so amazing that he would think it, it was uh, so worthy to put that into this letter. And, uh, you know, we look through this, uh, all this scripture, we see many people who are living out their purpose in life. Tychius and Onesimus who carry the letter to the Colossians. Uh, 
And they tell of the great things that Paul is doing. And Aristarchus who, and Mark and Jesus Justice who are friends of Paul's and who are doing great things in that area. And Epipharis who is working hard in prayer and deed for the Colossians. And Nympha who has a church in her house. And Paul who has become a prisoner for the glory of God. We see all these uh, people living out their purpose in life. And if you haven't Catch, have you ever caught on yet? What I'm trying to uh, put in our mind is on purpose. Living our lives on purpose. Because that is what these men and women did. They lived their life with a purpose. And you know, that, that's, great, uh, that's great to hear all of this. But, you know, it really means not a whole lot if we don't understand how to live on purpose. And... Uh, you know, as I, I consider this, really, the, there was two things that came to my mind when I was thinking about how we as people of God can live on purpose. And actually, those first two things, we have to know what our purpose is before we can know how to live on purpose. And the two purposes that I came up with, and, and I'm sure there's better terms for this, but this is kind of just what I could come up with, is that number one is God's general purpose, which is purpose for all believers. And number two is God's specific purpose, which would be what it, He is He desires for me, what it is He desires for me or for you. And so we're going to look at that, and beginning with God's general purpose, this is for all believers. Everybody who's sitting in here today who knows Jesus Christ, which I have to imagine is most everybody in here. This is your purpose in life. And that is to glorify God. Everything that we do is done for the glory of God. 1 Corinthians 10.31 It says, So whether you eat or drink or whatever you do, do all to the glory of God. Whatever we do, we do it all for God's glory. And that is, that is our purpose in life. That is our uh, what drives us every day is, is that we want to glorify God even more every day. And obviously as we uh, go ahead and look on to the specific purpose that He has given us in our life, uh, we, we see that God's specific purpose is for the individual, is for me, is for Brianna, is for Troy, is for Janet, is for every individual per person who knows Jesus and the best way that I could sum this up would be to glorify God through our occupation, our recreation, and our devotion. If we look again at 1 Corinthians 10.31, we see, So whatever you eat or drink, or whatever you do, do all to the glory of God. Do everything to the glory of God. In our occupation, what we do, how we, what we choose to work in, uh, our uh, job, uh, we should do it all to the glory of God. Uh, our recreation, the things we do to have fun, to unwind, to enjoy ourselves, do it all to the glory of God. Our devotion when we seek God in, in church setting like we're doing now or in private setting when we read the Word, when we, prayer, when we pray, when we do all these things, we do it all to the glory of God. And that is all of our individual specific purpose that God has given each and every one of us. So I want us to keep that in mind as we read, or as we go through the rest of this message, is that our purpose is in glorifying God in everything that we do. 
So now that we know what our purpose is, how do we live that out? And how do we glorify God? It would be the big, press, uh, big question. And how to find our purpose would be another question. Uh, how to glorify God. Uh, recently, I've started getting into a study tool they call catechisms. Uh, recently, uh, I've actually started reading one that's called the New City Catechism. And what a catechism is, is basically a question and answer uh, study format that will help us to kind of articulate what we as Christians believe. And like I said, the New City Catechism is a wonderful one that I've been using. And the reason that I bring this up is that one of the questions that is in there says, question number six, how can we glorify God? And the answer is we glorify God by enjoying Him, loving Him, trusting Him, and obeying His will, commands, and laws. And we're going to look at those, those individual uh, points uh, and see how we can glorify God in our lives. First of all is enjoying Him. Philippians 4.4 4 says, Rejoice in the Lord. I say rejoice in Him always. Uh, when we seek to enjoy God, not just tolerate coming to church and not just tolerate reading the Bible, but truly enjoy God and what He has done for us through Jesus Christ on the cross, when we seek to do those things, when we seek to enjoy Him, when we, when we read the Word, when we pray the Word, when we come to church, when we worship like we did a while ago, if we seek to enjoy Him as we all should, uh, he, bring, he gets glory from that. And then, if we, and then number two is loving Him. It said in Matthew 22, if you will turn there with me. Matthew 22. Uh, what we see here is that a Pharisee comes up and he gives this question to Jesus. Teacher, what is the great commandment in the law? So he asked him, what is the commandment that is above all other commandments? I know many of you know this. And it goes on and says, He said to him, You shall love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your mind. This is the greatest and the first commandment. What we see is that the greatest commandment is to love God with everything that we have. When we love God with everything we have, He receives glory from that. We glorify God when we, when we enjoy Him and then we love Him. He, bring, he receives glory from that. And also, when we trust in Him, when we put our trust in God, Romans 8.28 says that, and we know that for those who love God, all things work together for good, for those who are called according to His purpose. We can trust God because we have this promise in Scripture that those who love Him, that He will work everything according to His purposes, according to good. And that means everything. Like, we go through, many of us go through very tough times in our lives. Uh, I know whenever Finley Kate was born, that was a very tough time. And we can look at that and not understand why God has allowed that to happen, but we know that everything He works to the good of those who love Him. And that means if, if a family member dies unexpectedly, He's working that to the good of those who love Him. If something tragic happens in your life, He is doing that. He is allowing that. And He's going to work it to the good uh, for those who love Him. So we put this trust in God that even though we don't understand many times, and many times we don't, that He is going to work it all to the good of, for those who love Him. 
And then finally, we look at obeying His will, commands, and laws. And in John 14, 15, Jesus says that uh, if you love me, you will do what I command. And I know many times we read this and we think that He's saying, oh, well, if you love me, you will do what I command. But no, it's more of a gentler, if you love me, you're going to do what I command. If you love me, the overflowing of your love for Jesus will result in you doing what He has commanded because you love Him. Not because we have to do it out of any uh, desire to receive salvation or anything from God or from Christ, but rather because we are so in love with Him that it overflows into our desire to do His command, will, commands, and laws. And finally, how do we find this purpose that we have been given on our life? Well, first we have to understand that God has given us a purpose even though we may not fully see it at times. 1 Corinthians 12, 3-7 says, actually 4-7, through Now there are a variety of gifts, but the same Spirit. And there are a variety of service, but the same Lord. And there are varieties of activities, but it is the same God who empowers them all in everyone. To each is given the manifestation of the Spirit, for the common good. I want us to pay attention to that last verse. To each is given the manifestation of the Spirit for the common good. God has bestowed upon us spiritual gifts and, and abilities to do things that is for the common good. And the common good is to bring glory to God. That is what we are all doing. That is what we desire to do. And He has given that to each and every one of us. The ability to glorify Him through gifts, through our purpose in life. And, you know, I really wish that I could tell you uh, that there was some definite way to understand what your purpose is. Uh, but in reality, I can't. Uh, you know, I wish I could tell you that those spiritual gift assessments were actually legitimate. Uh, but they're not. I mean, if they were, I wouldn't be up here today doing what I do because... My personality does not lend itself to coming up here. Like, if, if, my, if I was going by my personality, I would be as far back in the back as I could, and then when the service was over, I'd be gone. That's just who I am. I'm very, uh, <laughs> I'm very introverted. That's, that's, this, this is not me. And I, I declare that now, that this is not by any of my doing that I am up here today, but it is all to the glory of God that He has given me the ability to come up here and to speak to you. It is not because I am able. It is not because I am worthy. It is not because I have been given anything more than any of y'all have been. But God has called me to this. And this is what I do. So the only advice that I can really give to you, based on what we see in Scripture, is to seek God. That's, I mean, <laughs> I know that doesn't satisfy us. We want to have something concrete that we can look to that we can figure out what we are supposed to do in life and what our gifting is, but in reality, that's what we have to do, seek God. Because it says in, in 1 Corinthians 12, there are a variety of gifts, but the same Spirit. There are a variety of service, but the same Lord. There are a variety of activities, but it is the same God who empowers them all in every one. God is the one who gives us our purpose. God is the one who helps us to live that purpose out. And that is who we have to seek to find out what our purpose is in life. So, to wrap this up, and I want to finish us on a good note.
uh, as we wrap up our study of the book of Colossians. Uh, I want to turn our attention back to uh, an earlier verse in Colossians, Colossians 3, 23-24. And I want, to, I want to, if there's nothing else that you hear today, I, kind of, I want you to understand what I'm about to say to you. Because if there's nothing else that hit you today, I pray that this will stick with you as you leave. It says in Colossians 3, 23 and 24, Whatever you do, work heartedly as for the Lord and not for men, knowing that from the Lord you will receive the inheritance as your reward. You are serving the Lord Christ. I want to declare now, and I can say this with confidence, that nobody in here is an accident. Everybody in here has a purpose. Everybody in here is... uh, is a child of God, if you know Christ, you are a child of God, and that you have a purpose in life. And we, what do we do? That, what's the purpose in life? Our purpose is to glorify God. That's what we seek to do. So whatever we do, work heartily as for the Lord, knowing that we will receive our inheritance because you are serving the Lord Christ. That's what I want to leave us with today. Uh, I don't know, I don't think this was a super long message, but I hope that it, it impacted your life today. I, I hope that it impacted your heart and that we would go and seek to glorify Christ, glorify God even more. Uh, I just, I love each and every one of y'all and I pray that, you know, this, this, this just, I just pray that God does something today. So Heavenly Father, I thank you for the message that you have given me today. Father, I really I pray that what I said today was all the words and that you desired for me to say. Father, I pray that that which maybe I went a little rogue on and said something that I shouldn't have, that it, that it would fall on deaf ears. But I pray that what you do want us to hear would fall into our heart today, that our ears would be open to understand what you have desired for us. And I pray that as we leave this church building today, that we would realize that we're not an accident, but we are instead living a life on purpose, with a purpose. And Father, I just pray that our hearts are open, that as we finish up our worship service by coming to you in song, Father, that we would seek you in everything that we do today, tomorrow, for the rest of our lives. God, we thank you and we honor you and we praise you for all that you are. And it's in Jesus' name. Amen. Begin as we close this morning. And God sent his son. They called him Jesus, he came to love, heal and forgive, he lived and died, to buy my pardon, an empty grave is there to prove my Savior lives. Because he lives, I can face tomorrow. Because
Because he lives. 